0: Today on Inside the Ropes, as we prepare to welcome back tournament golf, Matt Griffin drops by for a chat and we also pay a visit to the Q Golf Club where a bold new program is really starting to pay dividends. Let's go.
1: You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to
2: golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au.
3: G'day everybody, welcome to the show, Inside the Ropes, episode number 167. Great to have you with us. Uh, I'll introduce my colleagues in a moment, one who is here under enormous sufferance. But we don't know anything about Mark Hayes, it is that he has a gigantic heart uh, and a capacity to push through the pain barrier. Well, he's proving it today. Maddie Griffin going to join us on the show. We're going to catch up with a young member at who, uh who is part of a uh, subcommittee committee, if you like, who have been doing some really good work in, in making the club a more open um, golf club for young members and it's having pretty dramatic impact. So we'll have a chat to Rowan Dick about that when he joins us a bit later on um, without any further. In fact, I'm going to say good day to you first, Stacy Peters, because we'll leave we'll leave the most dramatic to last on this occasion. How are you, my friend?
1: Very good, Murray. Thank you very much for having me on again. Love uh, love coming on the show.
3: You're part of the family and you're part of the show, <laughs> so you don't need to say that anymore. Hey, we're um, – we're on Zoom, so we can see each other. You look you look fantastic. You played golf there in the one of the uh, beautiful uh, rooms there at Victoria Golf Club. Uh, our colleague uh, he's in a, he's in a he's in a mess at the moment. Our colleague he is a big hot mess.
1: He looks like he's horizontal at the moment. Are we correct there, Hazy?
3: Uh, mostly horizontal, Stacey. Got a bit of
0: a back issue that I'm working through. <laughs> Might have had to. Uh just man up a little bit for the next few minutes here to have this chat. I'm really looking forward to it. There's a couple of guys who have got, um, you know, the best intentions for Australian golf. So it's all I can do. No problem to, to uh, chat for a little while. That's no worry.
3: Hopefully it takes your mind off the pain you're clearly in. Um, look, we're waiting for golf to, from, a, from a competitive play perspective. We're only a week away now. So, um, you know, we'll have some of that to talk about um, sooner rather than later. And, and there's some elements about the way golf's going to be covered which are which are interesting and we'll get to those in a moment but before we do can, can we start the show I don't know how you two feel about this but I want to I want to I want to offer Justin Rose and his wife Kate I want to offer them some sort of a golfing sort of um, knighthood uh, order of the realm uh, order of the whatever you want to call it I don't know what you call it in a golfing sense but um, and not make it sort of gender um, you know, uninclusive. But what the what the um, what the roses are doing for women's golf in England is bloody amazing. You talk about putting skin in the game, and what these two are doing, but is is pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah, it's very impressive, isn't it? I haven't actually seen the full details of it. I've only just sort of uh, seen briefly. But yeah, for them, I guess just to be to be doing it uh, is is awesome. It's exciting. It's exciting for women's golf, and hopefully others uh, catch on.
3: So they're so they're basically. If you haven't caught up with the news, and you can read about this sort of anywhere in more detail, but the news is essentially that they've created a mini tour. Like I think it's an eight tournament mini tour, and they're playing at some of the great clubs of. Um, I think it's I think it's mostly in England, but it could be you know anywhere like all around the UK. I stand to be corrected on that, but the Roses have put up thirty five thousand pounds of their own money for each of these eight tournaments, and their tournaments designed to create uh, a tour for female players, female pros to play in this time where, you know, we're trying to get back in and, you know, aware of the fact that, you know, young pros and all pros are struggling to make ends meet at the moment. This is not necessarily for those on the top end. This is for those who need a weekly check to kind of, you know, get by and Justin clearly understands and remembers what it was like to be a young man um, you know, struggling, and he did struggle in the early days as a pro, um, to, to conjure this up and pull it together with the relevant bodies and put that sort of money on the line and encourage others to, to come on board, not only is it fantastic for the here and now, but this is the sort of stuff that you hope people with plenty who, you know, who suggest they care about the game of golf, um, and we'll probably talk about growing the game a bit later on with a bit of Vision 2020 movement, 2025 movement, and what's happening at Q. Um, this is exactly what, what you want to see, people putting their their skin well and truly in the game, like the Roses have. I think it's, I think it's really commendable what they've done. I think that um, his
0: uh, mission was acknowledging that he, with the PGA Tour's resumption, had a place to play, mm. and then, then thinking, God, there's so many... Um, Particularly women right now um, in in you know LET based, but more broadly, who don't have that spot to play, there just it just not doesn't exist. So to reach in and, and you know do what he's done, I think is I think is phenomenal. I really like Justin Rose. Um, he's a global player. Um, he's a you know he's a normal bloke. You can talk to him at the, over the ropes while he's playing that sort of stuff. And you know to get the involvement he has, you don't get this sort of involvement from um, you know lesser. I guess lesser people without wanting to. I don't think he would like that term, but uh, they've gone to. They've got, they're going to play at Royal St. George's. And yeah, yeah, One of the one of the weeks, so they've got uh, three six tournaments and then the final at the venue to be announced from June 18. So it's coming up really quickly and basically every week from there. So phenomenal. It's, it's awesome. A, yeah, it's so just really some really good courses there too. Um, you know, the, the Brockenhurst Manor is is really good and
3: um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, Great effort on a humanitarian level, let alone golf. So hopefully we get to see this somewhere. Hopefully you know there's some sort of media coverage and we get to see a bit of this. You know, it's you talk about um, you know particularly the world in which we live and have lived in in the last week, particularly you know in in the states. You, there's a lot of yeah. You say something, but what are you going to do about it? There's a bit of that. Like turn your turn your care and your whatever else it might be, turn it into some you know boots on the ground type action. Well, that's what Justin Rose has done. And you mentioned humanitarian. He's He clearly cares about some of his colleagues who, who, you know, might happen to be female and might be in a very different socioeconomic reality than the one that he's in. You think about what, um, what other players who are on the same sort of strata as Justin Rose might be able to do. If they're looking for an idea to, to copy or build on where they come from in their neck of the woods... Not too not too difficult to do it. Not too difficult to see. I don't want to put names to this. I don't want to – but, you know, there's a lot of really rich Australian golfers out there. Wouldn't it be nice if one of those said, you know what Rosie's done? I want to do that. I want to do exactly that but back in Australia. And I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going back to Australia and I'm going to do exactly what Justin Rose did. And, um, gee, it would be a magnificent thing to see this pop up and be – Replicated by other multi-million-dollar golfers around the around the globe.
1: Yeah, let's hope it can be some sort of snowball effect. I know there's been sort of some stuff like this happen in the tennis world with some of the top players as well. Um, yeah, so let's really hope that it could uh, others can catch on, and in particular those Aussie ones.
3: Wouldn't it be nice? So <laughs> good on good on him. Um, so so we're going to be back at the Colonial next week. You know, it's in Dallas. We know we're so we now have some details about how the golf. Coverage is going to be affected by COVID-19. How, how, do you reckon you'll be able to – how much do you think you'll be able to notice this, you two, when we, when we tune in next week? Jim Nance is going to be hosting from the course. So he's going to be on his own hosting from the course. His partner in crime, long-term partner in time, Nick Feldo, will be, will be sharing the responsibility, but from the Golf Channel studios. So he won't be at, at Fort Worth. He'll be in Florida. Correct. Finchy and Frank Nobolo are going to be doing their remote analysis stuff from Orlando, and Trevor Immelman and and um, and Dottie, they're going to be on the course doing what they normally do, but but following their groups without having that, you know, that the the natural um, connection they have to their fellow commentators. There's going to be player mics. They've already had player mics um, agreed to by several players. Um, there's clearly no crowds. And they're going to do this other thing. They've borrowed our title, by the way. They've got this thing called Inside the Ropes. Ah, oh, please. Yep. They, they've completely... But they, they spoke to Hazy, and Hazy gave the all clear. <laughs> um, player hits his drive, walks off the tee into a, into a hut, and in that hut there is a question ready for him to go. So Rory McElroy hits his drive, walks into the hut. Question is this, Rory, presumably about your round so far. He's asked for a 30-second... Response to the question, so he gives the response, exits the tent, catches up with Johnny Ram and Brooks Kepka, and that then gets played into back into the coverage. What do you think? What do you think? Are you going to notice a difference from the commentary? Sort of, you know, the the combination and connection between the the commentators, and do you like particularly that that concept of the the question being asked? What, what do you think?
1: I guess maybe this is. We'll, I guess we'll probably be getting more insight, more from the players, won't we, mm. than than usual. Um, I think it might be tough to – I'll be interested to see how it flows with the commentary, you know, whether it's a bit stop-starty, whether it's, uh, you know, natural. I, I don't know. Um, maybe the, the encore should be similar, I would say, but maybe yeah. it won't. It'll be tougher for them in the booth, maybe solo.
0: I think it puts more emphasis on the, um, the powers of Dottie Pepper and – and Trevor, you said Trevor Inwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To 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 paint the picture of what's actually happening on the course, um, when you know three of the other four voices you'll hear are, uh, you know, two or three stages to the east. So it's going to be on them to, you know, explain the winds and explain the ground conditions, and the turf conditions, all that sort of stuff. But I love I love that the players are already starting to think more uh, interactively. Um, you know, it's on the, the PGA Tour and the players have already had, a, obviously, a, clearly a big discussion about what they need to do here. Uh, and, and to be honest, um, I got up this morning, Andy, and read a bit about Major League Baseball and the, and the problems they're having between the, you know, the, the player union and the, and the owners. Um, thank God that golf isn't in that predicament because, um, you know, that sport stands to not be played at all. Yeah, because of the selfishness of the parties involved, and, and clearly the players here are working uh, for the betterment of the game. If if we can learn something from within the inside the ropes um, precinct, whatever they want to call it, as long as we <laughs> get the royalties, uh, then uh, then we should be good.
3: And wouldn't it be nice as a result of all this in this kind of you know, period of you know where are, where are we at and what does it look like and you know where are we going to be when we come out of this thing? Wouldn't it be great if these players try a few of these things? And yes. it doesn't affect their next shot, and it doesn't affect their score at the end of the day. And they go, Yeah, we can probably do a bit more. We can, we can probably do it without Mickey Mousing the whole thing up. And, you know, do, we, we can do a bit more. We can make, we can give access to um, those watching and those interested. We can give a bit more access of ourselves and to ourselves um, um, to, the, to whatever audience we might have watching. Wouldn't it be nice if that was a byproduct of all of this?
0: I think we've already started to see that. Um, I, I think Dustin Johnson has traditionally been traditionally is the wrong word, but you know, historically in his time in golf, he hasn't been one of the more giving people. And he obviously came out and played in the, uh, you know, one of the charity events for made for television things. We've seen Mickelson and Tiger, uh, you know, take, take their game to a new open level. Um, the young kids particularly, I mean, not McIlroy's young anymore, but all the young kids seem uh, open to the conversation and, you know, McIlroy's done some great podcast interviews around the world in this time. And I really like to think that the players can um, smell the coffee about what's happened here. Um, you know, they, they know that what they've got is pretty special. Um, if they don't do their utmost to foster it and keep it bubbling along, then they stand to lose it because there's so many other, um, you know, critically important things in life that are way, way more important, just that at the moment.
3: Maddie Griffin, yeah, go on, Stacey. Were you about to say I something? Just, I
1: was just going to say about the player mics, Andy, when you touched on that. Is is that going to be like a, some select players just doing that or is that a across-the-board sort of thing or what's being said about that? It's, it's
3: reading between the lines of the yarn that I read on whatever Golf website it was this morning. It seems like they have just asked a bunch of players and yep. some players have said yep and some players have said no and yep. the ones that have said yep, you know, they've decided great, we'll go with you um, and we'll, we'll give it a go. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I don't think there were any names attached to it already, uh, yeah. but I imagine had, you know, had, had you know, Rory and, you know, kept, had they said yes to it already, I imagine that would have been quite newsworthy. Yeah. So um, we'll wait and see how that plays out. Hey, Matty Griffin about to join us. We had um, last week the round table hazy uh, was, you know, there was, Hopefully, it was worthwhile for anybody who listened to it. We we think it was to do it. There's there's more that can be done in terms of you know uh, encouraging those sorts of conversations. Feedback wise, was there a was there a thread that emerged more strongly than any other? Yeah, I think the general
0: feedback was uh, we perhaps should do more of that, as in throw ideas on the table more broadly. And the second key thing was that we should not only uh, do that, but we should do it at more levels. Um, and I'm not denigrating any of the professional ideas or the or the calendars involved that we spoke of, but to do it more at a club level as well.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So grassroots not to be ignored when we do all this stuff, and and that's a point well made by a handful of people on social media. And I, look, to be honest, Andy, I mean it's a big problem in media more broadly these days because it's hard to have your sort of parish pump style. Um, activities that are the specific to one club or one region uh, hold national appeal when you when you're putting together a podcast like this or a, you know the channel 7 news or whatever it is that you're doing so you've got to balance it um, uh, of broad interest but it is a very strong point because you know the more we go into this world the the more relevant um, you know people's lives are becoming and how they actually run within their own community um, you know we're hearing some great ideas we'll hear from Rowan dick about Um, what's happening at Kew, uh, these things, the local things, we've got to pay more attention to. And and that's a point well made by
3: a handful of people. And that's, you know, that's on me. I'll I'll look into that. No, well, possibly maybe the Rowan Dick thing might be an inadvertent kind of um, launching point for for that on a weekly basis. If you've got something going on at your club that you're doing that you think has got potential sort of national appeal Mm. and can be replicated, you know, anywhere else, specific geographically to you, but it can be something within the the confines of your golf club that other clubs might be able to think about and take on board. Maybe we we should encourage people to let us know and we'll have a chat to them every week. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And you know what, Andy?
0: I think I might have a working title for it and we might just discuss it with, um, with our fellow co-hosts here today. It could be called um, The Regional Rouseabout.
3: <laughs> uh, I like it. And that's beautiful because... What have you been rounding cattle or something? Have you the last? What have you been doing?
1: Oh, a bit of a bit of sheep work for me, Andy. The last few weeks, I've been uh, Western Victoria. Um, yeah, on horseback. Yeah. No, oh, not quite, not quite. Four wheels for me.
3: Oh, disappointing. Um, I would have expected to see you uh, like on a quarter horse, just doing all the <laughs> get around there. Come on, get around there. Yeah, you
1: could imagine. You could imagine. Yeah? No, it's Up your just, alley. No, just me and the dogs. So, no, I have enjoyed a bit of rouse batting over the last few weeks. Thank you for putting that in, Hazy. All
0: no right. What do you, you think that's a good name for this? That?
1: Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I yeah. think it's good. But We're I'm just... happy to be at Victoria Golf Club instead, I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we do, if we call this, new idea, Andy, the regional rouse about where, how long it'll take to get that on CBS in a couple of years' time.
3: It'll oh, pop up before you know it. So, Rowan yeah. Dix, whether he likes it or not, he's going to be the first contribute to our regional rouse about when he joins us a bit later on uh Matty Griffin standing by there's a bit going on in his world we'll have a chat to him he's got some views broader issues of the game we'll have a chat to Matt Griffin when he joins us on Inside the Ropes
2: after the break let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia
3: welcome back to the show great to have you with us on Inside the Ropes um One of our great friends. There's many players around Australia who commit to um, giving us their time when uh, they can, and um, Matthew Griffin is one of those. Uh, Like many Australian players, he's probably not where he would necessarily want to be at the moment, but making the most of it on shore as we wait for this kind of world to start turning over again from a golfer's perspective. And good enough to join us for a chat about this, that and everything. Matthew Griffin, lovely to see you. Thanks for joining us on the show, mate. Thanks, Andy. Good good to be with you and uh, have a chat. So, how has it been, Theo? It's the obvious first question. How have you been, you know, coping with not playing, and and what what have you been doing from a golf perspective?
2: Yeah, it's been a little bit weird, and I think probably having having the arrival of Jack last year has made it probably easier than it would have been otherwise. Having having him here kept kept my time pretty busy. It, it's sort of our life hasn't changed too much from that that point of view, and. Uh, I was able to get, I bought a, bought a net for the backyard and been just, while we weren't allowed on the golf courses, practicing in that and over the last few weeks been back out on course and uh, one of the other things we used is you don't, I guess I played competitive golf for 16, 17 years, you don't have a break where you have a chance to go away and really work on something without a tournament looming, so I've been working pretty closely with Dennis Wickdade, my coach, and Tina Mayo and getting a um, getting a program together that Hopefully, make some swing improvements. They can come out the other side with.
3: So there's a bunch of stuff wrapped up in that. We spoke to Turner a couple of weeks ago, and the video that you and she did was fantastic. And hopefully, people listening to the show have kind of accessed it. It would make a difference, I think, if people really commit to that sort of stuff. Not that I have, but is that is that a bit of a brave new world, a bit of an awakening for you in in terms of the importance of all of the stuff that she
2: and others in her profession are sort of stressing? Yeah, I think it, it, it reinforces how important it is. I, I've always, it's been something that, been lucky enough to work through the VIS, uh, it's been something that was stressed all, all the time. So right. I've always been been pretty diligent doing, doing those type of things and you do notice the difference if you don't do it. I, I, when I play at Victoria, I, my average score is pretty, is not great because i would probably rock up to the tee a little bit with a short warm-up and don't do all those things I do on tour. So you do see the difference when you do do everything properly. So, from a golfing perspective with Dennis,
3: what, what have it's interesting we've spoken to so many pros, you know, women and men through this period, and they've all decided they all seem to have been working specifically on something. And, and in most cases, it's not necessarily improving something they've been working on prior, but it's almost like they've used this time to, to tinker and maybe even change something within their game. What, what's been the, the kind of key focus for you from a pure golfing perspective?
2: Yeah, wanna, probably because I'm, left, I'm left-handed I'm left with most things in, in life, I'll throw the ball left, but I play golf right. So that has its positives, it also has its negatives. So it means I'm sort of right-eye dominant. So I want to look at the ball quite early, a bit like a David Duvall type thing. So we've used this period really to get to practice not doing that as much and create a few moves that lead through some of the stuff I do with Tina to, to really chip away at stopping that and, when the last especially the last 6 months of last year I would drop the club inside hit, hit a toe toe shot and it hook left so that was really frustrating me and I couldn't I couldn't stop doing that so we're trying to with this work trying to get out of that habit and the last couple of rounds I've played practicing I haven't hit any left so it's a real real positive that
3: surely has to be the most minute like in terms of would we notice that if we watched if we watched your old swing compared to your new setup, would would the punter be able to see any
2: difference whatsoever? Probably not. No, not unless you're a trained eye. Even I struggle to see it sometimes. So, uh, <clears throat> luckily Dennis can can identify it. But it is it's such a tiny, tiny change that can make such a big improvement. So what
3: is it? Is it hanging on? Is it hanging on to your kind of release through the ball, whatever the 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 pure mechanical golfing term is but is it hanging on to the sort of the the that final kind of position for a, a half a split second
2: longer is that what it's all about for me it's more sort of at the top of my backswing so at the top of my backswing I, I tilt back towards the ball a bit and if I can get more not tilting towards the ball then I, then I'm in a better position I can just release the club and go so if I can get the backswing and top of the backswing right then then away I go. So it's it's not a difficult thing to feel, but it's hard, I guess it's harder to do in practice than it than it should be.
3: Hazy, why haven't you pointed that out? I reckon that's clearly an issue for me. Why haven't you pointed <laughs> that out for me when we play golf together?
2: Well, I think it's all
0: about which eye you've got oh. dominant, Andy, and I'm not sure either of yours are working to their full capacity. Right oh, well,
3: now, so. is it? Does it? How does it affect people who wear glasses?
0: <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> it's funny you should mention this, and I'd be interested to ask Matt because I actually did um, a real quick um putting thing on parallax error on the putting green with um uh oh, an oh blundell, thank you. And he gave me this uh this thing to help remove parallax error and I putted the dots off it as soon as I figured out how to line up a part where I actually had to hit it. Uh I should be doing that probably like, like Tina's exercises to sort of straighten the back out. But you should when I was doing that, my putting stats if I was keeping them would have been off the charts. Um oh and, and it's all about, as Matt says there, like would you say you're
2: right eye dominant, Matt? Yeah, so, and, and I've worked with Noel for a number of years and I actually, I've done a lot of that parallax error stuff. So when I, read, when I read a part, I actually read it with my left eye closed. So I sort of remove that parallax error. So it's a really, it's a really good way because you do see it. If, if you look through your dominant eye without your non-dominant, you see things a lot clearer. I'm sitting
3: here. Have <laughs> something <for> you, Andy. <laughs> I'm sitting here, closing my right eye, and I'm looking out my window, and everything looks pretty much the same to me. But uh, I don't know. I, I yeah,
1: work. I've done a lot of that sort of stuff with uh, with Noel as well in the past, and yeah, I loved it.
3: Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. fantastic.
0: These are the secrets, Andy. Just, I'm not going to tell you until I take your
3: money next time. Then we should be right up. <laughs> <after that. laughs> no, good on you. Good on you. So, Maddie, what what? In terms of where you're going to play and what you're, what green light you're waiting to sort of see in front
2: of you before you can go, where are you actually at? Yeah, so being up in Japan, we're sort of waiting to see what happens there. They've Up until now, they've cancelled everything pretty much through to s- September. But they're, now, they're now asking us a few questions where we're all living to get us back up there, hope, hopefully September sometime. So I think there's a lot of hoops we've got to jump through to get there, but... Uh, there's some more positive things going that we might get a sort of, I guess, a, a third of the season this year. So will they do the same thing as the
0: PGA Tour, Matty, in, in that it might cram all the big events into the one little section there? Because that's going to be a hell of a
2: busy time for you if they do. It is. Yeah, that, that's the idea. So I think it might, be, it might come down to being three months at the end of the year. And there's a bit of talk whether they go a wraparound season and have a really long season or whether they just have a Bit of an unofficial year this year up up there. So, uh, but they're, I guess, still trying to figure out which events want to go ahead, whether they can have crowds and, and so on. And if they don't get the full
0: whatever they determined to be a full season up, and it's unofficial, I assume you keep your same status from that great year you had in
2: twenty nineteen. Yes, yeah, I think worst worst case scenario, we'll at least have. Oh, I'll definitely be up there for a full season next year, which is which is good. So you've grown up playing, you know, sandbelt golf here
3: in Victoria, and then you head up to Japan. Now I've never been to Japan, so I've never seen a Japanese golf course. But I don't imagine, you know, you're playing on a weekly type of golf course that's similar to the ones that you've grown up on. Have you had to? Have you had to kind of, given that's where you predominantly play your golf now. Have you had to learn how to play
2: a different way? Yeah, for sure. It, it, and it probably took me two or three years to really get nail it down. On was sort of fortunate enough for the first couple of years up there that I just managed to hold on to my card and and really feel like this year will be my fifth year up there that the last couple of years have been... I've I've figured out the way to play because there's obviously a lot more... You play a lot more hilly golf courses. uh, The greens slope a lot more from back to front generally, so you've got to be pretty careful the way you play. Sometimes in Japan, you're better hitting it sort of 15 feet short of the green than hitting it... 20 foot right of a hole and having a massive slinging putt. So, uh, and, and also the golf courses are generally really tight. So I had to build a way that I can hit a, I'm, I've got a stock shot that I hit up, hit up, hit there off the tee and make sure I'm in the fairway. That would be, um, that would suit, I wouldn't have a,
3: watch you play a lot of golf. That would, I can imagine that sort of, you know, that kind of not straight line golf, but you know, that would suit you, wouldn't it? That, that that wouldn't be a massive challenge for you to um, navigate your way through those sorts of golfing
2: challenges. Oh, for sure, it, it's, yeah. it's it's definitely a place that that suits suits my style of golf. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'd be a corn Fairy type of guy on those big, massive, wide courses, smashing it around. So it's it's something that suit suits my game. But it did take, it did, even though I guess everyone would think that it would be ideal for me, it did take a little while to get to get used to it.
1: I was just going to touch on you know how the end of the year might look for you Griff obviously there's a lot still up in the air and stuff but do you picture you going up there for like a couple of months at a time like I know you've come back and obviously maybe more since you having a little boy and stuff but do you picture going up there with your family like for a couple of months at one point do you or is that going to depend on quarantine and stuff like that it'll
2: depend a little bit on quarantine but i, I probably where we've been chatting a little bit with my wife and and family and sort of saying probably might just go up and do one stint and, and just be what it is because we probably have to expect there'll be at least a couple of weeks quarantine coming home. So uh, whether that's I'd go up and do seven or eight weeks and come home and we just we just push through that and uh, it won't, won't be ideal, but I won't be able to take them up there. It's too hard to have a, a little man travelling around Japan under quarantine requirements. So yeah. it might be a bit of FaceTime.
1: And in a shoebox motel room, and it's probably not ideal, is it?
2: No, no, not with him starting to walk, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah.
0: And I assume, Matt, like like um, some of the people going back to the United States right now, you have to apply for some sort of special dispensation from the government to be able to get out of the country?
2: It will be, yeah. So Japan at the moment, only residents are allowed in. So I know the Japan tour, are, uh, they, they are sort of speaking with the government to see what what requirements there'll they'll be for us going in. And they have said that they won't run any official events unless we don't have to quarantine going in because it'd be a bit hard to have two weeks in a Japanese hotel and roll out the first tee the next week. So, um, so that's, that's, that they've been, they've been really, really good. So many
0: um, away from your, your touring at the moment, um, you know, you're, you're very mindful of everything that's going on in Australian golf and the challenges that are domestic that we've spoken already about Japan and obviously the United States previously. Um, I, I know that you listened last week to our sort of round table. Um, did you have any immediate things strike you about some of the suggestions that were made by the different people, different parties to that conversation?
2: Yeah, I think the first, the first thing to say is that it's, it's great that everyone's talking and, and hopefully that we can get a, get that one body that everyone's talking about because there's a lot of duplication in, in golf in, in Australia. And we, we don't have the, I guess the luxury to be able to, to cope with that. So there's definitely positive steps happening. And this player series is a, is a great idea that, 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 that the ALPG and PJ have come up with. And hopefully, I mean, it's all about really creating playing opportunities for for players. It's, It's not necessarily about it being a hundred percent fair for everyone that that will be the goal, but it's, as we know, with golf, every golf course is a little bit different. So it's going to be hard to make sure it's an even playing field every week. So that
0: you don't don't mind that, you know, that the the women might have a 5% advantage one week and the men a 7% advantage the next.
2: No. And all of the great thing with all of this is that they're going to be new events. They're not, the plan is not for them to be events that we've had in the past. They'll be hopefully new events, so it's it's adding adding to the schedule. So I think, as golfers in Australia, we've 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 got a you've got to take a little bit of the ups and downs. Whether one week of favours one, one week it favours the other.
3: So let me ask you all this question. I don't know whether you got to answer this last week, Hazy, but Clates had real issues about you know the two pools. You know that to have play it by all means, but have a men's and a women's you know, prize pool at the end of it, that sort of defeats a bit of the purpose of it. We know what we want to do. We're all playing for the same pool here. Let's say uh, the first three events, just because of the way they're set up and the courses they're playing at, are won by women. Let's just say that. Uh, men, you know, you go first, Matty. Maybe you go second, Stacey and Hazy. You can round it in. Will blokes get shirty with that? Will there be, will there be a, a number of, of men who are competing and missing out on the, on the prize money, or the bulk of it you know, because of the inequity of
2: the setup who will make it make their voices heard I'm sure in everything there's there's some that can will be a little bit disappointed with it but hopefully everyone sees a bigger picture and that they're getting to play an event and it's a chance for them to develop their games and get and get better and and the other thing is that if if that were to happen I'm sure the the people setting up the golf courses for the next event will make some adjustments if it's balanced one way or the other and and with anything that's new you've got to accept a little while of some adjustments that'll have to get to get it I guess get the formula right what about you Stace
1: yeah I think there's uh there'll definitely be kick up like and you know I'll think of it if it's say the other way like if men go in the first uh you know first four or so they'll say you know there'll definitely be comments of it but I think you know again I think Griffo said it before like You've got to see it for what it is—a playing opportunity, an opportunity to compete. Um, I played in one in New Zealand um, a few years ago, where it was yeah, it was same prize fund, different. Te- I think it was maybe eighty percent tees, like the women were eighty percent forward. Was their was their general rule? And uh, yeah, a woman won that event, and there was uh, there was big kick up about it from, from just from a handful of guys. But I think you're always going to get that, and Yeah, and if we do get to have a run of these events, then I think they would slowly be adjusted. There is, I think there's a fine line between, you know, with the course set up. they've they've proved to be able to do it, like in that that mixed event um, was in Jordan last year. But, you know, a lot of research was put into that. And so I think that's what we'll have to do here. Um, And and just, I think it just takes takes time and uh, trial and error. There's no, hey, there's no right or wrong. Like, it's just trying to create a playing opportunity, isn't it? Absolutely. Hazy, what are you are you confident? Are you
3: hopeful that those who get their noses slightly out of joint if it comes to pass and hopefully it doesn't, you know, but if it does, are you confident that the the greater good will be seen even by those who are a bit stroppy? Um, uh, no, I don't think everyone will see the greater good
0: as much as I agree with what Matt and Stay said. I think there'll be people who always cut up rough, but you know, from the big picture perspective, um if if Sarah Kemp goes and wins the first three players series events, um, you know, it becomes a huge, huge publicity driver. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, you know, and I and I, I just think... And that applies too if the men do it. You know, we've got to figure it out. And everything that's new here is is sexy. And, you know, that has an appeal to the greater audience that we don't normally reach. And, you know, that's that's all part of it. You know, to get people talking about it other than just bogeys and birdies, that's what yep. we need to do in golf. And, you know, I, I just think that... Um, you know, what, what Maddie and Stace both said is is very true, that you would hope that the professionals, whether they be male or female, who are aggrieved, can just suck it up for a few minutes while we get the balance right.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Brookhouse said it in the roundtable last week, you know, about trying new things. Not You know, it's not right or wrong. It's... um, What did he say about it? Um, yeah, just, just yeah, so, I guess, so, to bring you opportunities. Say, say yes, yes oh, no. or no. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that's exactly right. Um, yeah. so I think this is another another one of those um, sort of things, yeah.
0: so with with that in mind, Matt, what else did you take from? Like for, do you agree with that, say yes and not no, and what would you like to see happen in the um Australian, I guess summer of golf?
2: Well, exactly. And I think the Victorian opens is the perfect example of saying yes and not no it's sort of struggled for a number of years as just a men's only event and took a fairly big change to to go where it has and you look at the success that it's turned into so uh, <clears throat> yeah I, I, there's a lot of good things happening and sometimes having a situation like this presents that for the I guess with the PJ Tour going to a wraparound season it, that will provide a lot of really good opportunities and we we struggle through golf having playing, sort of fitting everything in November and December, whereas I've always felt there's a really big opportunity in February, March when the sporting aspect's quite quiet that golf can throw itself in. And so hopefully with these player series events, with some other PJ events, we can really fill that up and, and get a good time for golf. I, I wrote this down last
3: week and we, I did, we didn't, as we were having this conversation during the chat last week, and we want, you know, we, we're mindful of protecting, you know, the the, the opens, you know, the, the women's and men's and the PGA, like the, the time honoured, and there's a lot of time honoured events. So we 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 need to protect the integrity, for want of a better word, or some. But if would anybody around this chat have an issue with Australia, the Australian summer became known it's kind of globally as like the concept capital of the world of golf. Like if if our summer was all about Idea golf and concept tournament and the sort of stuff that you guys in the player series are talking about, Matty, and the Vic Open and others. Would would any Super Sixes? Would anybody have an issue if in in you know we've got our three or four standard stroke four round stroke events, but in and around that we've got we've got all these other things happening that are only happening on mass in Australia.
2: But that, that's not a bad thing, is it? No, it's a, it's a great thing, and we, we we don't have the we don't have the luxury just to have. Seventy-two whole stroke events. It, it hasn't it hasn't worked necessarily for us. So we do have to look at these new things in Australia to create some interest and, and hopefully momentum behind golf that allows us to build build back to sort of the days that golf golf had. So Matt,
0: um, it's it's already shown that the women are um, you know amenable to January, February, March in this part of the world. You know they've voted with their feet. that are coming down on mass with the LPGA. Do you think some of the Big name players, particularly the Australians, but other ones as well around the world, would would like to come to Australia in February ish, uh, more so than perhaps late November, early December.
2: I guess that that's the biggest that's the biggest challenge. So that for it is finding the right weeks with the PGA Tour. It's quite a important time of the year for them getting heading towards the Masters. But if it's done at the right time, then I I wouldn't. Don't think it'd be too hard to jump on the private jet, come back down to Australia for a week and <laughs> <laughs> week or two and play well. And and the other factor is that they say uh, don't Tom Tom Doak calls Royal Melbourne the course that Augusta's trying to be. So would it be the worst thing to play a couple of events on the Melbourne Sandbelt in the lead up to the Masters? It's probably probably a good thing. Better than playing West Coast California
3: golf. Where do you park your private jet? Just a matter of interest. <laughs>
2: Well, I was before all this. I was thinking of purchasing one, but let's uh,
3: put us back. A little
2: bit.
3: <laughs> hey, there's been a bit of a chat around the world about um, the recommencement. Well, we know the PGA Tour kicks back into gear next week. Um, world golf rankings, and I, I, this has been something that I know you and Hazy have been speaking about. Um, how does that sit um, amongst those who aren't necessarily getting to play? in in ranked and point gathering
2: events next week I think mean, it's it's pretty uncomfortable really so I mean, and I should preface this with saying that in mean, my world ranking where it is it doesn't it's not really affecting me so i I more feel for the guys that are sort of around that top 50 hundred in the world where there's a lot of potential and and what what I know it's been said a little bit but what's been hidden is that in the world in the rankings yes you'll lose the once the rankings start back up, they're a two-year rolling system. So the most recent events are worth the most. So, for example, if we don't play, if the pj Tour is running for th- three months before we get back in Japan, there's a number of guys that are well up in the world rankings that their divisor is suddenly is dropping off a fair bit. They've had no chance to play. So their world ranking will will get killed. And it's going to take over two years for that to play itself out. So... I would have, I would have thought a much easier way to do it would be to wait until your first event and then unfreeze each player's ranking as that as that happens, and then that sort of keeps the integrity of the the rankings.
0: Makes sense. Uh, yeah, just another example of people thinking about their own nest rather than the global nest. Really, you know, it it, it frustrates the hell out of me. People criticize me for potting, uh, particularly the PGA Tour on this, but that's just you know you saw. Who was it, Matt? The, um, the Spanish guy just went crazy the other day on on social media about oh, yeah. this. Mike was it? Mike Lorenzo Vera That's was it. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and you can just totally understand why. And he's he is a classic case of what you were saying there, uh, a guy who's on the verge of of getting some big invites. So he's not right at the top of
2: golf, but he's not far from it either. So uh, yeah, yeah and, just, and we've and I remember after the New Zealand Open, I spoke to Brad Kennedy at the uh, airport congratulating him on his win and he sort of just pushed himself to just outside the top hundred. And I said, Oh, you realize you, you get inside the top hundred to get the PGA. So US PGA. So that's taken away from him and he's worked his whole career. He's played a great block of golf to get himself in that, in that realm. And now he's going to be sort of through no fault, no fault of his own going to be taken out. And there is, there is also an argument to say the rankings do favor, other tours over the PJ tour because of the strength of fields? But I think this is something thats it's not really fair.
3: Just doesn't seem to be a need for it. That's the thing. Like I think the freezing of um, rankings, like you've said, uh, until players start playing again, then commencing them from that point forth seems to make a lot of sense. And would probably be quite—I would imagine—quite simple to devise. So it doesn't—it doesn't seem like it's, there's any great urgency to to have. Everybody on the same plane right from the word go. But um, mate, we'll let you go. Uh, you, you, hopefully, you'll look back at this crazy, given your your circumstances. We're having the little fella and in, in these 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 stages of unbelievably rapid change and growth in a in a little human being. Hopefully, you'll look back in twenty years time and go, You know what? that was that was great. That was great <laughs> to actually spend all of that time, even though it's hard and. Uh, you don't get a lot of sleep and all the rest of it. Um, who knows? Might, it might be one of those blessings in disguise when you when you look back at twenty twenty, like I think we all will, with a degree of this, that, and maybe another. But um, great to hear you in good spirits and and see your face. And uh, we wish you all the very best with everything that's in front of you, mate. Thanks for coming on for
2: a chat. No, thanks for having us. And uh, it'll be I think one thing all out of all this, will we'll really appreciate what we do when we do get back going. So. It's, it's been great to spend the time with a little guy and uh, it would be nice to be back out on tour at some stage. And we know you had a match
3: with um, Peters and a couple of other um, chokers the other day. Who, who, got, who got the
2: chocolates? Well, I've got to get back practising because Stacey took me down very, very comfortably.
1: <laughs> Stacey might be spending more time at the golf club at the minute than Griff, actually.
2: <laughs>
3: it sounds like you are a pretty sharp, Stacey. We're having a chat uh, about No, no, no. No, 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 righto.
1: Got lucky, got lucky.
3: Hey, Maddie, thanks for coming on, mate. All the best. Thanks. Good Thank on you. you. Matthew, Matthew Griffin joining us on Inside the Ropes. Back with more after this.
2: Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia.
3: Welcome back to the show. Uh, the roundtable last week, we've already kind of mentioned at the top of the show that a lot of people thought there could have been more of a focus on grassroots golf and particularly club-level golf, and its we've already, already had a chat that, Maybe it's a good enough idea, Hazy, that in and of itself to maybe do another one of these things sort of down the track. So we'll, we'll, t- we'll put that on the back burner for the time being. But it's always interesting when you hear younger members of golf clubs, um, you know, suggesting that they've got a voice that's worth being heard. Rowan Dick is one of those. He's a member at Kew. Uh, for those sort of outside of Victoria, one of the inner-suburban Yarra courses here in Melbourne, fantastic golf course, great club. Rowan Dick's part of the sort of young members group there, and he's got a young members plan, and he's been good enough to join us on Inside the Ropes to have a chat. Rowan, thanks for your time. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. What's the? Um, well, we'll get to some of the detail of the the plan, if you like, in a moment. But why did you feel like um, the young members needed to form some kind of um, alliance, if you like, um, and and take something to, to to the committee there at Q?
4: Yeah, so I guess it started off um, a little bit simpler than that. So it was more um, myself and Rob Prosser got together and just started talking about the idea, but I guess it was more about um, organising some events targeted at more of the younger members um, and then really trying to focus those events on things that the younger members might like to get involved with. So obviously very much focused around golf, um, but also having some lunch and maybe a few drinks and then also a guest speaker. So originally it was more sort of started around, yeah, I guess just having some events that sort of younger members would really enjoy getting to be a part of and um, yeah, just something a bit different that the club sort of wasn't offering before, I guess.
3: Was there a sense that, is there a sense, and I wonder whether you feel this way Q, as some people do at other golf clubs around the place that, um, you know, committees are generally made up of longstanding members, maybe sort of, you know, the second half of their life type members, you know, people who are in their sort of <laughs> hazy, sell me out in 60s and beyond type members uh, and, the, and the younger members kind of voices don't get heard enough. Was there a was there a sense without without trying to offend anybody at Q, but was there a sense that that was part of the reason for why you, you kind of got together what you got together?
4: Uh, it might be a little bit of it, but I think it was more of a, a sort of positive, proactive thing, really, that we were doing, and it wasn't so much that anyone was sort of crying out for this or complaining about it. I think it was more just, um, we just saw an opportunity to do something a bit different, and also uh, Matt Lockney, our club CEO, is quite innovative, I suppose you'd say, so he, we knew he'd be sort of open to considering a few different ideas, and yeah, I guess that's how it sort of started, was really just going to him with the idea and then it just sort of started off very small and just kind of snowballed and um I guess what we've seen over the last couple of years is um yeah it's it's grown a lot in terms of the young member uh membership base so yeah I think it's just snowballed and um yeah it's it's something that we sort of didn't expect would happen but um yeah it was more just um trying a few different things and and seeing what worked and I think it did take us quite a while before we came up with sort of our our plan, I guess, of what did work for the best. But um, yeah, it was quite interesting trying a few different things along the way. So before
0: you tell us some of the nitty gritty of the plan, Brian and keeping in mind for everyone listening that, you know, the average age profile as Andy's going is, you know, is, is not good for club members. How big is it? Where are you up to now? And what's the, you know, what's been the upshot of your,
4: of your efforts? Yeah, so I think when we first started a couple of years ago, we might have had sort of somewhere around the 100 um, membership mark of people under the age of 40 or 45, around that mark. So it was already quite a, a solid base of members under that, that age group. But I think since then we've, we've almost doubled that number in that age group. Um, Fantastic. So that's, that's quite huge in itself. And, and I think you, you definitely notice it just being around the club as well and um, – Just there is a bit of a different vibe around the club, which I think is a positive thing. Um, So that's been quite interesting just to sort of see that as well. So, yeah, I think um, in the last couple of years, yeah, probably another 100 young members under that sort of age 40 bracket, 18 to 40 bracket.
3: Female numbers, Rowan, what are they? Are they kind of on an upward trajectory as well? Yeah,
4: not not quite as positive on that front, unfortunately, but we do have uh, Victoria Chan on our Young Members Committee, so she's been great. And we've been trying a lot of different things in that space to try and attract the younger female members, but haven't had as much luck in that space. So it's probably more like um, more of a handful number of young female members, unfortunately. But that um, is something that we are focused on and really trying to ramp up our efforts around that. So watch this space on that one, because I think it, it is something we've recognised does need to change. And unfortunately it hasn't been as balanced with the the sort of numbers that we've had coming in, but um, we've tried a few different things like some give golf a go clinics um, as part of our young member events and yep. tried a few other things like that. But um, yeah, it's just a very hard uh, task that one and something we're committed to, but just um, might take a bit longer.
0: So you mentioned Maddie Loughnay there there, the, the- the um, is he GM or yeah? I think he's GM of the Q Golf Club, as yeah. chief or chief yeah. executive. I'm not sure of his title, but he's you know, as you say, very progressive. Um, he's got a happy knack of being able to talk really well with board, the board that he's involved at. Um, how important has that been for the you know to get the the top brass on board here? Because they've been really good. The Q Golf Club have been wanting to turn around. They've made the Borondara Cup. Uh, much more progressive than it has been in the last few years. Um, how critical is that?
4: Yes, yeah, huge. And um, I think that's part of the reason we've had the success we have, as well as, I guess, other changes that the board's made along the way, such as introducing tiered membership pricing for young members and um, paying off the joining fee over instalments and things like that. So yeah, that's been important, but I think um, Matt's been great because you just go to him with an idea and he's always very open-minded and, um, I guess, gives us a lot of autonomy to to come up with a few new ideas and he's always happy to push it through. Um, but as well as that, we've had Greg McConnell, who's on the board, so he sits on our Young Members Committee as well. Um, so he's provided that link in to, I guess, communicating what we're doing in our committee to the rest of the board and um, I think that's really helped as well because... I mean, one thing I've noticed is we've had a lot of support right across the, the golf club on this. And um, I guess we've had no pushback from anyone, which has been really good. And it's been very easy to, I guess, um, try new things and just, um, yeah, come up with innovative ideas. So, so, so give, yeah, us a se-
3: give us a sense, Rowan, for how it feels. Like when you go down there on a Wednesday or a Saturday or a Sunday, whenever it might be, um, and you look around, Does do you get a sense? Can you actually kind of feel it and see it, that it's there's a changing sort of, you know, look to the you know,
4: kind of demographic of your golf club? Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, you notice that on the, the Saturdays for sure. But um, when we've had our events, they've usually been held on Sundays. So on those days in particular, you see a lot of young members out on the course, probably a higher percentage than you normally would. But then also in the clubhouse after the game where we're having lunch that's where you definitely notice it as well and um, one thing if you haven't seen it already uh, Matt got a video done which uh, Jack Wilson starred in so um, that was a great uh, sort of snapshot of our, one of our young member events and it was a really good way to showcase I guess what the day is all about and um, what we're trying to achieve with the young members which is really just about having fun and uh, getting together as a group and um, yeah playing golf and having fun
1: as, Rowan, is that, uh, so you say you've kind of nearly doubled, I guess, the the size of that group, of the young men- members group. Do you think that, is that purely like word of mouth sort of thing? Is that something you've really chased after? Is that like advertising, is it? Where do you think most of that has come from? Because I mean, that that's amazing. Those numbers for those age group is, yeah, very impressive, yeah. mate.
4: Yeah, no, thanks. It has been amazing. And I think, um, as I said, when we first sort of started this out, it probably wasn't so much Trying to target new young members, that sort of evolved into that, and as one of the outcomes of it. But um, I guess what sort of what we've found is by running these different events, probably every three or four months, with we've, um, we've managed to get a lot of new members out of those events. So the way it works is that a young member will invite one or two or three guests along, and they'll uh, play for free on the day, and then have the lunch and oh, that's great. have a drink afterwards. Yeah. So I think that's been the sort of um, The advertising itself so they get to see the the vibe of the club with all the young members and yeah we've had quite a few people join as a result of that but then I guess the other big thing we've noticed is we've had two members in particular who each invited or referred probably 15 or 20 of their mates along so just with those two guys um, you know they've been a huge contributor just in themselves through their network so I think that's a really um, big part of this and and people generally can bring their mates along, and and it becomes a, a snowball thing where their mates sort of feel like they're missing out if they don't join as well. So I think that's what we've noticed as well.
3: Rowan, it's a real. We're about to chat about the Vision Twenty Twenty Five board and some movement there, um, which is all about. You know, opening the game up to, to more people, particularly younger people, particularly women. Um, it sounds like you've got on the front foot down there at Q, and sort of living the ethos of a whole lot of that and with great success. Thanks for coming on and telling us about it. If other clubs around the place haven't adopted a similar type group within their kind of you know, management structure, um, that they, they might do so after listening to this. Keep up the good work and thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, great.
0: Thanks, everyone. Thanks can for having re- me. Can, can they reach out to you, Rowan, but just before
4: no, you I go? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'll, or feel free to go through Matt Lockname at the club or, or myself. Um, yeah. Whichever. I'm always happy to chat to anyone. So, all good. Good on you, mate. Thanks for
3: coming great, on the show. Sir.
4: Great. Thanks,
3: everyone. Really See good. Later. Rowan Dick, member at Q, who's on the Young Members Committee. If you like, uh, and they're doing some really progressive stuff. And you know, we've we've and it's it's simple stuff. It makes a lot of sense. As Hayes is in real trouble. His back's <laughs> really kicking in here now, Space. We're doing this on a Zoom. Do so you need to explain to people what we're seeing now from, from Hayes?
1: Just we are seeing Hayes horizontal right now. Occasionally we see his head pop into the screen. Sometimes I think he's uh, asleep, sometimes – but I, he's just in that much pain. Hayes, are you okay, mate?
0: It's <laughs> just commitment
3: to the cause today, Stacey. Okay.
1: Have you Let's... seen commitment like this, Murray? Uh, I think if it's me, no. I would have put out.
3: I haven't seen anything like this since Francis Berg played the second half. I was broken leg, but uh, – this is unbelievable stuff from you, Hazy. <laughs> hey, uh, Vision, before we uh, – we'll let you go in a moment. But the Vision 2025 board, it's, it's a, like a, a natural kind of segue from Rowan Ro at Q into, you know, what Golf Australia and, and the Vision 2025 kind of paper and, and, and mission statement is, is trying to do with golf. They're kind of – they're singing from the same hymn book, really. There's been some movement with Vision 2025 recently, yeah, there has, um, you
0: know, and it's a it's a new look, I suppose. We've been, um, well, I guess the best part of a year and a half now into the vision twenty twenty five, and the steering group um, has has been changed. It's evolved, uh, I guess, more to um, be reflective of the of the of the group's strategy work that's been going on, and um, and it's just a, a, it also shows um, the uptake that it's had from certain um, elements within the game who are now represented. And Stace, um, well, I mean, Stace is front and centre to this because she has been on the on mm-hmm. the uh, steering group and now no longer is. Um, Stace, I mean, Stuart Fraser, the Gulf New South Wales chief executive, and Gary Thomas, uh, his counterpart in Western Australia, are the key additions, I suppose, to the new... New steering committee. It's a pretty powerful group now, not to say that it wasn't when you your good self was uh, oh, thanks. rolling along.
1: Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Hazy, as I've been put out, yeah. <laughs> no, and I think – and they've really tried to condense that group as well. Um, and I guess, I guess the idea of that, you know, hopefully to be getting uh, – do we say like head honchos of each uh, sort of party, um, getting in there, getting their heads together and making decisions. So hopefully we'll see even you know things happening happening quicker, decisions made quicker. Um, yeah, and I think having New South and WA involved, I think that's a real a real key to that group.
0: Yeah. So the the, um, the steering group members, other than Stuart and Gary, are Jill Spargo, Sarah Chia, David Galicchio, Shil- Shiloh Curtis, Karen Lunn, Gavin Kirkman, Paul Vardy, who's the uh, formerly of Golf Australia, but now the CEO of Golf Management Australia, and of course Kari Webb. So. Hmm. Um, I don't think that anyone can probably reach out and and tap Kari Webb to sort of give, you know give their input to Kari directly. But I know that other people would you know on that board and that committee would love to hear other people's ideas. You know, not obviously pertaining to women's golf, but not unlike what Rowan was just saying, if you've got some ideas about how to um, kickstart golf generally, but specifically women's golf and girls' golf in this in this little um, window here, reach out, please reach out because we would love to hear them.
3: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's yep. It's pivotal and it's crucial, and every golf club uh, will be better. Uh, for the long term, if it can find ways of, you know, in, 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 sort of expanding its membership base and bringing, you know, women and young women in particular, girls, into their golf club and make them feel welcome and confident about playing the game in that sort of environment. Hazy, you, you need to go and see someone, mate. You, you, you are a warrior for the cause, uh, but watching you on Zoom, I'm actually getting, I don't know about you, Stace, but I'm starting to get a sore back just watching him.
1: Shame, shame. I keep wriggling around oh, here. I know. Yeah.
3: Uh, go and sort it out, will you? Go and see someone. Get yourself fixed. We want you, to, um, we want you in full operating capacity more often than not. Uh, look after yourself.
1: Thanks, mate.
3: Good on you. Stace, good to see you.
1: You too, guys. Thanks for having me.
3: That's been Inside the Ropes, episode number 167. Thanks to Rowan Dick. Great to hear from Maddie Griffin. Uh, great to have you on board. We'll be back next week to do it again.